Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you going? I want to do it, man. I want to do it, what we are talking about before. Go on. Nick's got a really <laughs> shitty joke that I didn't get that he wants to say first up. Let's go. Let's see how many people uh, get but, it. But, but, but before, before I send it down range, Steve, have you seen the Adam Stanley movie, Big Daddy? Yes. Yeah, does that ring? Yes. yes. So I was going to run with, I'm excited because we've got Scuba Steve on today's show. Huh. And it's, it's great to have our first Hollywood guest Look, on. Please, please don't fake laugh, Steve. Please that don't encourage fake. That was genuine. Uh, that was a genuine as as he, laugh, Hass. As, as soon as he says Scuba Steve, I think of the number of times others have gone, Jesus, mate, put your freaking bell helmet on. We're going deep with Scuba Steve. <laughs> It's not even. Uh, it's not even scuba diving. It's like you know, you need the full commercial rig on because that's how deep we're going. <laughs> you need the, the big, the big binacle the, at the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with the airline back to the ho- uh, back to the ship. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, Hash, you got to trust me sometimes. I, man. I stand work. corrected. Okay, I stand corrected. I will never doubt your comedic abilities again. <laughs> I, I, deli- I, I delivered it to Hass before we got on and dead set. There was this tumbleweed rolling through and crickets in the background. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you're doing this ready. weekend. This weekend, you reckon? All right. You know what you're doing today with your hangover? Well, hangover's nearly gone. I'm nearly finished my celery juice and um, right. I'm feeling good, but I indulged a bit too, uh, too much last night for the listeners. But Nico, can you introduce our guest? I've already heard the dulcet tones, but give a proper introduction without any, you know, shitty jokes. Yeah, well, uh, we've got fellow ex-serviceman uh, Commando Steve on for the people that have, have watched TV or for those in the Sydney area that are into their health and wellness and PT, um, Steve Willis. So thanks for coming on, mate, and, and taking the time out for for having a chat with my hungover Hass and um, hilarious Nick today. Ah, no, it's great to be on, boys. Thanks for having me. No worries. Look at Hass. He's struggling. He's really no. I'm not st- struggling. You're hungover, Hassan. Hilarious. <laughs> God. I, Hilarious. I couldn't come up with anything for Enfinic. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, we follow each other on Instagram, Steve, and um, comment on each other's posts occasionally. And there's this there's this uh, Australian veteran-owned business community on Instagram and and beyond that all sort of support each other. Um, heaps of ex-serving members, both men and women, who have left the ADF and, and gone on to, to do their own thing. So um, are you still connected with the, the veteran community much or have, have sort of much to do with back there? Oh, not, not as much as I probably could be or, or should be in, um, in that regard. But um, yeah, definitely with you know mates that I was close with in the in the forces, and um, you know from time to time, you know helping with uh, with different things that um, you know need some light shine upon them, or just to uh, you know create some awareness awareness around them. It's um, yeah for me, it's it's much like anybody else. It's kind of boots on the ground every day, you know, kind of you know 
just chipping away, you know, putting your uh, your two cents in and just being a service to other people. Yeah. And so you, you started off in infantry, so you were a grunt and then uh, yeah. then you went went joined the joined the PT ranks. Well, I uh, I joined um, I joined with the intention of going engineers and doing a trade, and yeah, right. you know, the uh, the DS or you know the the crusties that were hanging around putting you through the paces are like there's no point being in the army unless you go to infantry. So um, yeah, yeah. I was easily I was easily influenced by those guys and found myself in uh, at the school of infantry and then posted into um, the fourth battalion when they separated second fourth. You know, back in the, the early 90s. And yeah. they raised uh, four in Sydney. And then um, oh, a year and a half, two years later, they decided on you know making that a full-time commando capability. So the blokes yeah. that were in that unit at, um, at that point in time were given the opportunity to stay and do selection and you know, jump through the hoops or take mm-hmm. a posting out. And I, was, I guess I was too young and dumb to, uh, to think anything different. And um, I just wanted to be with my mates. And um, so I stayed and, you know, got put through the ringer and I came out the other side. And uh, even today, I think back on it and think, shit, how did I uh, actually pass all of that stuff? But, um, you know, I managed to and um, you know, spent the, the better part of uh, you know, the next 10 years, you know, doing the job. And, um, you know, for anyone that's been in the military and the like and knows anything about, you know, the SF community, they... Um, you know, they've really been in the thick of it over the past, you know, fifteen to twenty years. The special forces community, Ryan. We got a got a break. Got a, got, 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 got that. All right, cool. Um, we we got to dumb it down for the the, the bloke over there. The civilians um, over here. First, oh, mate, in Sydney town. So <laughs> the um, yeah, I mean the the. The special forces community and the ADF in general are going through a bit of a tough time at the moment with what's going on in Afghanistan and everyone that was deployed over there, sort of feeling like, oh, it was all for nothing, and what did we do it yeah. for? And we've lost mates for for no reason, and so on and so forth. Have you have you sort of touched base with anyone that's struggling with with you know having served and and now? You know, is really unsure about what they did and the reasoning behind it or anything? No, not so much. I've had uh, not me personally as such. I guess I was quite removed from uh, the time I left the military to, you know, everything going on uh, and the deployments, you know, overseas. So, you know, mates that I had that stayed in the military and and, uh, and went on to, you know, deploy and the like, you know, like I've I've yeah. kept in contact with them and, and um, you know, we chat from time to time. But uh, outside of that, not really. It's It's been other mates that were, you know, in positions, you know, as sergeants or warrant officers and the like who've now, you know, some of them are still there actually and others that have moved on and kind of have you know, taken it upon themselves to, to be a bit of a, a voice of reason as such and just help, you know, connect with the guys and, um, you know, check in with them and, you know, like anything, it's it's one thing checking in and having those conversations and the like. But you know, when people are left to their own devices and on their own, they're in their own heads. Um, you know, where's where's those where are their heads going? You know, is that mind taken over? And you know, all that shit that kind of goes on. Kind of the mind wants to consume itself, and uh, 
yeah, it's 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 challenging. And I think you know, even off the back of you know, what everything else that's going on within our own um, home territory, as such, with uh, this COVID and just the the, the rules and regulations and, and and all of these restrictions that have been imposed and it's like you know to a degree a sense of freedom and you know what is it that we've actually you fight for and um you know this ability to have a voice and and um not a not the sense of discrimination but uh the opportunity to make choices mm. and um you know what's sometimes you, you you consider what's the point yeah totally the um the sense of I know I went through school of infantry too, so I joined as a choco first, and mm. and um, so I did the first thirteen week um, IT Kapuka, so the thirteen weeks there, and then went to school of infantry, and and then um, when I went full time, I, I went to school of armor, and then ended up in two cav up in Darwin, and. Coming out of it, I came out a bit banged up mentally and physically. I was I was pre all the deployment stuff as well. Um, I, mm. I I missed the boat to Timor by two days. I blew my knee out, um, and uh, so all the mates shipped off and and came back and you know get to wear their medals and ribbons and all that sort of stuff. And and I found it really conflicting because I'm trying to maintain this sense of camaraderie which which is what i loved in the army in the military and that sense yeah. of mateship and whatnot but then all of a sudden i felt like an outsider as well and like did with, with anyone any of your mates that deployed you know and and anzac days a, a struggle for me because of you know they're all wearing their their medals and so on and so forth and i sort of feel a bit on the outside have you have you, have you encountered any of that before or Oh yeah, you definitely get it with uh, with those that do. You know, I guess first and foremost deployments and those who who go at a particular time and you know certain things that they they do or you know they experience um, and others mm. aren't a part of that. Um, you know, firsthand for myself in in making a choice to leave the military and then you know within a year they were uh, they were all there and um, yeah. you know the other the other thing in my day to a degree was off the back of Timor and September the 11th, the government wanted that second counterterrorism capability. And, um, you know, I was one of the blokes that was tasked to do that. So we were here in Australia, you know, doing our thing and training up in that capability whilst, you know, the rest of the green rolls, the unit was uh, deploying into Iraq. And mm. um, you're going like, oh, shit, you know, I'd, I, I want to be on that deployment. You know, the whole point of being in the military and training and doing what you're doing is... Yeah, to go and face it, not knowing, you know, what you're facing and, you know, the ramifications of it all. But, you know, being a part of, you know, this, this CT role where, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's a bit of a kudos, but really are you ever going to use it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, in a percentage wise, it's, it's very minimal. Whereas, you know, these guys are, are deploying into the thick of it. So it starts to create, some separation and um, compartmentalizing things and the like, and that's uh, group groups within. Yeah, groups within yeah, the big group, isn't there? That's right. And then, um, yeah, people get a bit standoffish with one another, and you know, unless you were there, you know, they're not going to, they don't want to talk to you about different stuff. And it's, it's like, yeah, and it's, and, and like you said, when it becomes more of those social occasions, and people are, uh, you know, putting a few down the hatch, and um, they start talking shit. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it starts to bubble away and it can get a bit uh, get a bit messy. Well, that's where the egos start coming to the surface, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, I, uh, I guess for myself and you know my own journey, which I can only really speak from, is you know the choices and the decisions that I made, and um, kind of in that process, making those transitions. And I guess in, mm. in any in anything we do in life, the transition between point point A and point B is always the most difficult. You know, and it's like we want to transition from where we are to that next point. We want it now, and um, and unfortunately, you're taking a lot of what's what's gone on at, at point A with you into into point B, and it's the ability to let go of a lot of that stuff so that you can, you know, maybe shape yourself in in in, in something new or whatever it is that uh, you're doing. And for myself, in leaving the military. You know, it was like, what do I love? What do I enjoy doing? And for me, it was fitness. It was something that was there, you know, in my youth and my teens when I was really struggling, you know, with identity and fitting in and peers and all that other type of stuff. And even through everything that the military threw at me, I still love training. And um, I, I still um, did, you know, my own stuff, went to the gym, you know, I'd be out doing stuff, you know, with a few other blokes from time to time. Whilst everyone else was like, they, they, they just did what, was necessary of them from the military and outside of that it was downtime and um so me making that choice to leave the military go into fitness and the like um i was quite fearful there was a lot of apprehension you know as anybody experiences but i had to let go of that guy that i was you know the the rank that i was you know the things that i had done in the military so that i could put my focus and intention into you know that that newfound craft and um, and honing my skills there, which I think a lot of people that creates a lot of hangups for people. But it is a forging experience. Like you know, the training that we go through is to basically strip you down and rebuild you, and and that stuff sticks with you for life. Like I know when I got out um, for medical reasons, I was med discharged. Mm. Um, and so, and, and you know, we were on 24 hours notice to move to Timor when it did my knee. So I wasn't brought yeah. down from that height and state of readiness. Plus I had the trauma of a knee plus the trauma of not mm. going over with my mates and then bastardized and bullied when, when I was just sort of left behind. And, and then the cert one in civvy, you know, I was, I was taught to make a coffee, uh, and they said, oh, this is your new life. This is your transition out of the army back yeah. into civilian life is how to make a coffee. And I was like, what the fuck? And I wasn't linked in with any psych services or any physical rehab services or anything. It was just oh, off you go, good luck. And and I, I think that's what you're speaking of there is one of the biggest things that people, whether it be leaving the military or leaving a certain career for a certain amount of time, you, you do have that conditioning. And it's, it's really if you've got someone to guide you through that transition process, it makes it so much easier. But more often than not, we don't have everyone guidance. We just got to figure it yeah. out ourselves and then deal with the fallout. Yeah. Like I don't know where it's at. You know, it seems to be, you know, from my observations a bit better than it was, you know, back in the, you know, in the early two thousands, you know, it was, it was like, thanks very much. See you later. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and for yourself, you know, I've had mates in a similar position where they've been medically discharged and that's the last thing they want. You know, if they, if they didn't have that injury, they'd probably still be in the military. And that yeah. in and of itself creates a whole host of, of, um, of different 
I guess, challenges that, um, that have to be worked through and dealt with. And, and as you said, having, having those that have maybe walked that path before them, you know, sharing their experiences so that um, people don't feel so alone, but also mm. the lessons learned from the experiences mm. that, to help as a guide, because then you can create you know, a bit of a fast forward to fast track people to a particular point you know, through that learning. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, a lot of that's just cognitive function, isn't it? It's the ability to yeah. comprehend and then taking that comprehension and putting it into practice. And I think, yeah, yeah as physical as the military can be, um, and, and, and you see it and you've experienced it, and even for myself, you can get very bogged down in, um, you know, in that mind. And you, you don't express or put into practice a lot of the, the things in, in a physical or action a practical way and um and then that's where it just consumes itself and um you know when you can get someone else and kind of reach in and, and pull you out of it or you know hopefully at some point you kind of you know there's a ray of light or whatever you want to call mm. it and you um and you, you you go shit i've just gotta i've just gotta bring it back to basics i've got to think about the simple things you know, i've got to put one foot in front of the other i've got to take a breath you know whatever it might be to, to get that, um, you get yourself in motion as such and um, keep chipping away because yeah, we're taught all those skills. You're taught all those skills. Well, yeah, all it's, it's, hard, it's hard to employ them when, when you're, you, you're not present and you're not functioning properly. Like, you know, when the, the last thing I heard from a, a, a doctor was, I'm going to make sure a malingering bastard like you never joins this man's army again. And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't ask to get this injury. Yeah. I, I was super fit as well. You know, I was similar to you. And my fondest memory of the of the military was probably the physicality of it. You know, I loved mm. the exercise. I loved the the struggle, the pushing. I was running 2.4K in seven minutes. I was, you know, just absolutely uh, besotted with all that. And then to, to have that taken away from you through no choice, you know, just through, mm. through an injury, um, I didn't realize at the time that the physical injury came with a mental injury as well. And that was unseen and undiagnosed and it was compounded and compounded. So by the time I got out, I was pretty banged up internally. And I, I just, yeah, I didn't have the skills to transition and there was no, there was no one to guide me. There was no ray of sunshine. There was, there was Jack Daniels. He was, he was my, my yeah, saving yeah. grace for, for the next eight years. And me and Jack hung out until, you know, he guided me gently down to rock bottom and, and I was in a position where, you know, I had agoraphobia and, and couldn't leave my house. It was just me and Jack hanging out together. And, and that's, that's what happened, you know. So the, the, the intrinsic link between your mental and your physical health is, is so powerful. And, and when one goes, often the other sort of tends to go with it well, that's what i found in my case oh so. I, I agree with you 100 percent. and um you know it's it's i get it's that perspective and, and and how you come at things and you know angle and and the like and you know i've experienced that even just in the past couple of years you know doing different things and you build this life and this identity um and it, you know it goes through particular incarnations and you know it improves mm. in certain areas but you don't recognize how much effort and time you're putting into it. And then one day or all of a sudden you, you, you just find you're, you find you're observing yourself and you're like, who am I? <laughs> you know, or, or something's taken away. You know, for example, the other year I got to do survivor and I'm sitting on an Island 
I spent all these years in the military, you know, all this time training, doing physical activity. And, you know, I've been through the ringer with survival courses and stuff and eating very little and the like. But the objectives and the intent behind what it is that you're doing is, is different. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. on this island. You know, I've, yes, I've, it's self-imposed. I've said yes to doing it and, and the like. And, you know, I'm pretty much starving. I, I have no inclination to want to train or do anything physical other than survive and do the best we can with what we've got so that morale is, is high so that when challenges come around, we can dominate. And um, I, I'm sitting there thinking... So all these years I've been putting in doing all this, you know, I can be left sitting here on, in the dirt, sleeping in the dirt with absolutely nothing, five bits of kit and a little Hessian bag. And um, who is this bloke? And yeah. that's when it's, it's all, all stripped all away. Other, it's all stripped away. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, honestly, if I had to go home and I had nothing, what is it that I could do? I could run, but I still need to put shoes on my feet. You know, what are some other things I could do? Well, I can, I'd, I've gotten into the whole um, you know, meditation and that mindfulness side of things, you know, back in my, my early to mid-30s. So I was doing a lot of that. And I think that really helped me. But, you know, in the, in the sense of that connection of the mind and the physicality, it was like yoga. You know, you don't need any shoes on your feet. You don't really need anything else other than your mind and your body and putting yourself, you know, through some movement patterns and a bit of a flow and this and just, like and I was like, man, I've got to do more of this stuff. This is this is the grounding stuff. This is what's gonna, you know, help me through these the transition of I guess my 30s now into the you know my 40s, mid 40s, and getting older because my ability to recover, my ability to to apply intensity and the like isn't what it was when I was younger. And um, so, who am I now? And, and who do I want to be in the future? And I think you know, everything I'm speaking about now you know, speaks volumes to even those that may be younger. You, you, you got to start asking questions of yourself, you know, now. And the sooner you do it, the younger you are, the more you're willing to ask those questions and go, you know, delving into it and looking for answers. The the um, the more informed you are, uh, the solutions based in that sense and, and figuring things out for yourself and your ability to help others. Yeah, like, I think it, if it, you've it, the, it gives if you the got... space to really consciously choose your life, doesn't it? Instead of just running yeah, on and, autopilot. And, like, well, I was, I was running on, fucking, excuse my language, on autopilot right. until I was 33. Yeah. Mate, I, 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 was, I was living a life of self-destruction. Like, from, mm. my, from my younger years and growing up, and, you know, everybody has their traumas when they were kids. But um, I, I, I used exercise in my teens to, to self-destruct. I wanted to hurt myself. And, and rather than alcohol or drugs, of, I, I used, used the exercise. Yeah, and, and we talk to people and, and a lot of people struggle to, to rationalise how you can have an unhealthy relationship with something that's considered healthy. Exercise is considered really healthy, but a lot of people have an unhealthy relationship. They're, they're codependent on it to feel good or to, to give them a sense of purpose or whatever. So that's a classic case of that. Well, you can, also, you can also, sorry to jump in, but you can also on the inverse, and people have a lot of trouble getting their head around this, you can have a healthy relationship with a drug. 
and you can have an unhealthy yes. relationship with something like exercise and vice versa. But people are very, we're very black and white when we think about these things. Yeah, don't we? I know, I know. And it's, uh, 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 it sounded like what you were talking about earlier, Steve, was um, I think not identifying as something is, is key for people. Like we, you, you've had many incarnations of yourself, as I have and as Hass mm. has. And, and I think for me, not identifying as a soldier or not identifying as a therapist now or not identifying as something, just, just understand that I am just, you know, it probably goes back to being, be formless, bit of Bruce Lee sort of philosophy, but it's just, I'm, I'm just on this constant journey and I'm going to ebb and flow and move in and out of different chapters and and the more I hang on to one chapter, or identify deeper with that version, then I'm going to start comparing versions and I'll get lost and confused. And that's sort of where you, you find yourself moving away from that, I guess, the authentic self. And um, I'm, I'm curious to, to learn from you, Steve, what it was like, you know, coming out of the army and then going into the spotlight you know, in terms of mm. the biggest loser and everything that comes with that and then coming out of that and then doing what you're yeah. doing now was the, the transitions for that. What was that like? Well, mate, I don't know. like it's, um, you know, leaving the military, going into, into fitness, doing that. And then I guess some of the boys I'd worked with in the army, um, had a, a working relationship with a casting agent, that same casting agent. Um, was tasked with finding someone for the biggest loser going on, uh, you know, to fulfill a role that I went on to fulfill. And um, mm. it was kind of right place at the right time. But is I that guess, where Commando Steve was born? Yeah, yeah. So hence, you know, the whole coming from that unit. But then I wanted not, not so much on television. Um, they didn't use my name as such. It was the commando or, you know, and, and the like. Mm. It was more of that enigma kind of, um, character and um, mm-hmm. as as the years went by you know I took the sunglasses off people got to know me a little more in that sense and you know, I, I felt that was important so that I wasn't so one dimensional either and um, mm-hmm. otherwise people just get sicky you know, you know how many blokes are around who cross their arms and put sunnies on and yell and scream <laughs> like the world's full of, the world's full of them you know like it's it's not a hard task and um, <laughs> you know it's all right when it's on TV you know Two, two or three times a, a, a week, but when it's every night, people are like, who's this clown? Like, really? Same shit over and over. And um, mm. and that's, that's need important. Some substance. And that's, yeah, you do. And, and you need to build that rapport and a relationship with those who you're working with. And um, mm. you, it, like anything, it's all about getting them to a place where they're willing to do it for themselves. And, you know, you can use fear, which is motivating to a degree. But as soon as you turn your back, they're giving you the middle finger. They're like, fuck you. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you want, you want to give them that, or you want to help stoke that fire that's, that's internal so that, you know, when the, I used to say to them, when the doors are closed and the lights are off, what are you willing to do? Because that's what's going to count mm-hmm. most. And, um, yeah, so put a lot of effort into that. But personally, I struggled. Like, you, you go from, yeah, you know, the military, which you know, talks everything down. You don't really ever talk unless it's in, you know, that that that, that cone of silence, that inner circle, um, to mm-hmm. anybody about anything. And mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden, I'm on television with a camera in my face, you know, trying to string three words together. And I couldn't <laughs> speak to save my life back then. But um, yeah, I, the the I just was I constantly felt sick. Like there was just that. 
it was like you're about to go and do a jump, you know. It's just that butterflies in your guts, you know. You feel like you're going to puke or – and um, it was but a, over constantly time, out of your comfort zone. Was that like fight, flight, a constant anxiety yeah. for you? But, but I think back to what I was saying earlier, my life, I lived my life in that place. And I think mm. unconsciously I was, I was manufacturing my reality to, to mm. induce that state of being because that was my known state. Um, to and to be an, yeah, I was mm. to do anything different was abnormal. You know, to be calm, to be still, to be. <laughs> I was just going to say, to, it's foreign. It's a foreign land. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So you do you as, as much as it creates discomfort, and you're aware of the discomfort and that and that agitation, that tension. You seek it because that's what you've known ever since. For me, since I was little, um, and it wasn't mm. until you know, doing The Biggest Loser and, and the like, and then CrossFit and doing the CrossFit Games. I came back from that. You know, I had a, a young, well, two young daughters at that point in time. I was like, what the hell am I doing with life? Like, you know, I'm, 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 I was 33 and I was like, if I, if I continue this way, I'm going to kill myself or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run out of steam real quick. And uh, that's when things started to change big time for me. Uh, it brings to mind that quote that we, we have two lives and the second life begins when we realize we only have one. Lost you. So Sorry, I lost you there. It's a, it's, it's, it reminds me of that quote that says, um, we have two lives and the second life begins when we realize we only have one life. Yeah. So we're, we're sort of mindlessly just doing shit and we're really immature and we're, we're acting from all of our trauma and all of our conditioning and all of a sudden we come into this moment of, enlightenment or, or clarity mm. or whatever you want to call it and go fuck what am i doing and then you start actually living a life well lived after that and it's like oh this is better it's a bit more balanced it's a bit more you know I'm still, i can still be physical <laughs> but I, yeah, I yeah. I exactly and 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 that's right i i've said to people over the years you know all those years and you know there's many things that i can remember but it was just it was like it was in a fog Exactly. Just... We, we were conditioned. We were conditioned to kill, literally, yeah. and, and so the con the concept of peace was really foreign to me after that as well. Oh. Like I was I was a hand grenade in nightclubs in England. I was just yep. fucking going off left, right, and center. You know, jumping through hoops of fire naked on Thai beaches at full moon parties, and I was literally a wrecking ball. And, yeah, and because oh, the, the concept, the concept of peace was was absolutely foreign to me. Yeah, like to hear, to, and even words and the power of words, like to hear the word love, like you know, fifteen years ago, or probably yeah, I, I was like you're a fool. Like what what, what are you talking about? Like that that, that stuff don't exist. Men, men don't and, use that word. No, and um, now, mate, I couldn't open my arms enough to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what, That's what, so what, what, how, how did that change around that age of 33, Steve? So what sort of, what did you start to do differently and what did life, well, how did it look after that point? Well, mate, it's, 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 it's been absolutely amazing. And I think uh, my ability to get to know myself more, a better relationship with myself. And in, 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 in that um, comes the ability to, to communicate and have a better relationship with other people. Like even to this day, I'm still like, I can talk with you guys and the like, but um, outside of that, 
to rub shoulders and actually hang out and stuff. I, I, mate, I, I've got loads of friends and stuff, but I'm not really close to anybody. Mm-hmm. Mate, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, and I think that comes again from a younger years, like even being in a, a, a relationship and I've been in many and a lot of that has been, you know, my pitfall in life, um, which I've really struggled with, but I've got to put a lot of effort into just being okay. I think I've got a lot of social anxieties, although people go, but you were on TV, you were this, and you know, and it's like, but that doesn't matter. Like you can put a, you, struggle, you can put do, a, fr- do, you str- do you struggle to maintain those relationships? Like it, it's just easier just just looking after you and that's that's it's easier actually... to put my rooftop tent on the back of my truck and go bush yeah yeah, yeah. i can hang yeah. out with myself all the time like yeah, yeah. and uh like it's and one bloke who i can and i guess it's my one of one of my brothers i grew up with i, I i've got i'm quite at ease with him but even mm. with other blokes that um that are my mates as such it's like it gets to this, this threshold or this point where, all right, got to go. It's like it's it's over unless you know. Like I think back to my younger years, drinking and stuff. It kind of helps to numb or or suppress a lot of a lot of those feelings, those thoughts. But but life the, now, sorry, it lubricates the social ability. Yeah, yeah. But um, outside of that, you know, I had a, a dad who, or a stepdad I grew up with, who didn't want to be around anybody. When I was in year 10, he, um, they decided to sell the family home and they moved into a little town that if you closed your eyes for five seconds, you'd pass through it. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's all of those things, as we were talking, have an impact on, you know, your, your, your social interactions and your development and, and, you know, just being amongst your peers and, and social groups and the like which um, I guess to a degree I could hide in that in the military because you only needed to rub shoulders with a few. And you know, a lot of the time you know, in, in a section or the like or, or a small team, what you're doing, your mouth was shut. You just had a job to do. But yeah. um, you know, the question was asked, you know, after 33, you know, doing Biggest Loser, which I was still doing and, and I competed in the CrossFit Games and I absolutely destroyed myself doing that. Um, I just... I was, I felt empty. I was left. It was like adrenal fatigue. And um, even the thought of exercise and, and doing things um, made me feel sick. And I had a gym. <laughs> I was, uh, I, <laughs> I had loads of clients. I know, right? And, um, and, and I, I just, I guess it was enough of a wake up call to, you know, as you were saying um, before that. Yeah, you've only got this one life and, you know, what is it you want to do with it? Who are you and and the like? And that's when I started reading a bit more and getting into it. And I read that book by, I don't know if you've read it, uh, Eric Greeton's Resilience. Um, A great book. And yeah, very much in that uh, philosophical space, which I I enjoy stoicism and philosophy, but I still felt there was, even in that sense, that it was lacking. And maybe lacking isn't the word. And, you know, I just kept investigating and found myself in Zen Buddhism and, and Buddhism as such. And, and that whole just, you know, there is no I and um, we're all, you know, interconnected and, and, uh, and, and the like. And, you know, we were saying before with formless and just, you know, energy, all that other, like it just, it appealed to me. And, um, you know, through, I think one of the most profound experiences for me was 
taking the physicality of who I am and I guess a certain, you know, um, hyperactivity and which, you know, if there's something you enjoy, anyone that knows anything about hyperactivity, you know, it, it comes in, in, it manifests in many different ways. But if there's something you're extremely interested in, you'll go after it like a pit bull. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, meditation, like I, to sit for two minutes or five minutes at the start, I struggled. But mm. what I read about Zen Buddhists and I guess the Japanese way of doing things, they were very structured and disciplined. Yep. Like I, that, I was like, mate, I'm going to do that. And I would sit and I'd put <laughs> myself in a half lotus and I'd want to cry. But they mm. would say how they would sit for, you know, hours on end and just bring it back to their breathing. And, and they would deal with the discomfort and what came their way and learning to just be okay in that moment in time, whatever that moment was. And you know, I learned a lot about myself and being able to just bring it back to my breathing, you know, that swinging door and, and, and be okay with whatever arose in my body, the discomfort and the, and the, and the agitation, maybe the anger, you know, a lot of stuff that I hadn't dealt with in life, you know, and then the mind as well, like, uh, and, and what would just, you know, be pinging around the room. And then over time I just found, especially at about a 30-minute mark, 45-minute mark, things would really start to just open up and you'd lose sense, you'd lose, you'd almost be in this euphoric state between reality and some other place. And um, you, it was like you're, you're awake, but you're asleep. And, um, I used, and you get addicted to that. And, um, and then you read about, you read about being well, that, mindful that's, and aware, that's getting aware of that. Then- the, the master's yeah. call that, that, that getting high and a lot of people fall into that mental trap of chasing that high through meditation. So they get addicted to meditating, mm. same as getting addicted to exercise and addicted to adrenaline. So it's, it all comes back to that finding balance. And yeah, you know, in, in, in MindFit, where <laughs> it's all based off Buddhist and Stoic philosophy, and, and it's based off you know, everything's impermanent and the source of all suffering is attachments and, um, and trying to live back within the laws of nature. But, and it's interesting that two ex-military dudes are sitting here talking about Buddhism and Stoic philosophy and, and finding that balance and meditation. Yeah. And it's, it's so far removed from, from how we were training. That, that's what I was but thinking it, as Steve was talking about this Zen Buddhism philosophies are so the antithesis of that um, being in fight or flight all the time. There's a solid I and an identity and I perceive threat everywhere. Some other humans are okay, but I don't like being around them for too long. It's like the real, yeah. we're, we're finally kind of unconsciously at first craving the opposite to what has been happening before then. I, I, I went from being hyper alert and hyper aware to hyper presence, you know. I don't know if you've done a ten day Vipassana meditation retreat. No, I haven't. I need but, to. Yeah. Oh fuck, dude! You, you talk about getting high through that. I was so hyper present. When I've spoken to Hass about it. it. Took me twenty minutes to eat an orange because you're experiencing the orange. You're not just eating yeah. it or consuming it. And yeah, it's, with it's, that. Yeah, it's just mind blowing. Thought of that. I hadn't thought of that actually. Where, yeah, because that's one of that's something that's been that, that hypervigilance. Like it's, it's quite mm. debilitating. It's like that radar yeah. is on all the time and it's pinging. I, it's, I, it's see, everything. I see yeah. everything. And, and I see everything. My relationship now, you know, I get home and I see this there and that there and, and they keep saying, we're not in the military. We can't have the house in, in a military state yeah. level of cleanliness. And I'm like, this, 
this isn't military, but but I'm realizing there is still some hypervigilance in that area or when I'm out, you know, I still find myself sitting and just observing unconsciously if there's a threat or anything, you know, what would I do yeah. if that, you know, and so. See, it's, mm, it serves me well for what I do as a coach and especially in large groups. And I guess that's why, you know, I've been quite fortunate, in, you know, over the years and, and I guess that role on The Biggest Loser and, you know, as the commando and the like, but, but the, the, the meat and potatoes of what it is that I've done is group training. And um, whether that's boot camps or especially in the corporate space, you know, with large groups of 100 and, you know, up 100, 300, you know, I've trained massive groups. And you seem to be able to not, not so much control, but steer them in a particular direction. And I think a lot of that comes yeah. down to that presence and, and that hypervigilance because, you identify um, the differences and what's, you know, the anomaly, what stands out from the rest. And um, I guess, you mm. know, take that back to the military and why things are seen. But, um, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, doing a squat, for example, and, you know, majority of people are squatting well and someone isn't, well, that's going to stand out against the rest. And people go, but how did you see that? And I was like, well, it was pretty damn obvious. Yeah. But, um, and then, and then that whole, I guess, take it back to the army and fault correction and stuff. So there's a lot of fantastic things that, that I was taught. And, you know, I think, you know, the military teaches that you can then take into other areas of your life and, you know, as you move on and for me in fitness, but um, I guess the transition as Steve and, and living that, living in that place of um, in a very sympathetic um way to you know engaging in that parasympathetic being calmer creating space you know within myself but you know space i think you know even externally so others can just exist coexist alongside you and um and then how you approach that and the language you use and the communication to help guide people whereas it used mm -hmm. to be quite blunt nowadays you, know, you learn to i guess you feel people's energy and you read them and you you, you kind of figure out what it is that you need to say in the tone you need to say it in, you know, that inflection, which, um, which helps to bring the best out in people. We won't tell anyone, Steve, but you're actually, what's happening is you're becoming more emotionally intelligent. So well done. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, that, that, it's that self-aware, the self-management then the social awareness and then the relationship management. So, you know, I came mm. out of the military and emotional spud pretty much. And, just you know i knew what i was doing i knew what they were doing but I, I couldn't really manage it but but with this gentle evolution and this softening and this this finding that balance and, and so much of what i learned from the military was so useful and even in what i'm doing i've got the same thing just in mm. a different field i can notice what people are saying i pick up i'm so tuned in and dialed mm. into people and it, and it's a, a i think it makes me very good at what i do and probably makes me really effective um but I've got to use it in the right circumstance, in the right place. And that's that emotional intelligence coming. I can't use that at home. I've got to read the room. I've got to read how people are feeling. I've got to read how I'm impacting on people around me. And I didn't have that previously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, I, I, I just, from, from a, you know, the, the younger years in the military, aggression, anger, mm. they, they were you know, all that. I guess anger is the emotion and, you know, the, 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 the many forms that it manifests itself in, that was my go-to. I just, every situation to a degree, I just applied 
applied anger or aggression or, you know, force to, um, to derive the outcomes that I was looking for. And um, that didn't roll too well with everybody. And I didn't realize what? How, what? Intense, <laughs> how intense Crazy a person talk. I was. Because in my own mind, I thought I was just this big soft teddy bear. And I think, I think thinking that of myself, what I was trying to project outwards was, was a facade to try and mask that. Mm-hmm. And over time, especially as the commando, I recognize and that, you know, little the littlest things have some of the biggest impacts. And for example, I'd say go to a fitness expo and people would come up and say, Thank you, I love what you do. I didn't know how to take that. You know, mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. want a photo with you or anything. And I, and I used to say to people closest to me, how how do I deal with that? What do I say? What do I, and they just said, You don't have to do anything other than say thank you. And just give them, and what I, yeah, gratitude, and just give them a moment in time to to say and be whatever it is that they want to be or they feel they need to be. And the most majority of the time, people are amazing, and um, and and that in and of itself, you know, open those doors, and and um, you know, the the change would start to uh, to occur. I I liked it when I when I when my ego gave permission to people to not like me, it was all of a sudden, you know, I needed to be liked and, and I, I couldn't yeah. really handle people reflecting anything negative. And then one day I had this moment, I was like, not everyone on this planet's going to like me and that's okay. And all of a sudden I just felt this, ah, this relaxing. Yeah, you let go. Like, <laughs> yeah. And people say, I don't like the, I, I think you, your business is shit or the way you came with things. Is, is, I don't agree with that, Nick. I'm like, that's cool, man. Okay. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to be in conflict anymore. I didn't have to try and control the situation. I didn't have to fight this yeah. person. They weren't the enemy. It was just or just or even enemy. justify it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, yeah the... it's, it's a lot more peaceful. Yeah, exactly. And that's um I guess again for me is I can just you know, I can be that guy. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, being that guy in a particular role, but you know, the, the, the essence of who I am in many other different forms and ways is, um, is, is what makes me who I am. And, you know, the dad that I can be with my kids and, you know, the relationship that I can have and, you know, that with my, my clients. And it's, it's just, it's so satisfying and it brings you a lot of joy and, um, and, and, and happiness, I, I think is, as challenging as it as it can be, and you know, for me, still early mornings and doing all that other type of stuff. But you know, what I do and 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 how I do it, and you know, wanting to give, you know, my best so that others can have a great experience too, is um, is important to me, um, especially when it comes to coaching and and exercise and moving and everything, because we're human, and unfortunately, fortunately, however you look at it, we've got these physical bodies. They're they're designed to to be engaged with and um, you know, a lot of people suffer because they don't, um, they don't engage with them enough. And I think there's, there's more efficient ways in which we can do things to get us to that place where we realize that actually we probably don't need to be consuming so much. I'm not just saying eating and the like, but just, just being present and being okay with how things are, which um, helps to, you know, shed ourselves of, and let go of, of so much. Yeah, so true. Are you finding with clients, Steve, that you're, especially with young men, because what you've been describing is something that so many men struggle with is this 
if you think yin and yang, it's like just yang, 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 yang for decades. Um, Are you finding with, you know, men now, especially you're based on your journey, you're kind of helping them bring a lot more yin into their practice and their life? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of it isn't even just, it's not even spoken. It's, you know, for example, how we run sessions, like we spend a good 15 to 20 minutes essentially doing like a yoga flow. Like it's, it's, Mm. it's not really, I just say that because that's something most people can relate to, but there's that incorporation, you know, down with dogs, cat, cow, um, you know, lunge with some rotation, uh, you know, all these things to, to mobilize the the spine, free the body up. But most importantly is to connect with the breath. And, um, and it's that, that in and out, um, you know, the, the inhale, the exhale, and just slowing that down and, you know, look at the science and our understanding behind all of that, you know, things that have been in, in practice for thousands of years and they know the benefits behind it. But science, I guess, is, is putting it in words that the Western mind especially can understand. And we're always looking for a reason why, like, you know, people want to know the reason why before they engage with something rather than figuring out the reason why they're doing it through the practice. And, um, you know, on average, you know, human beings breathe 18 to 20 times uh, per minute when really mo- most mammals and humans who are connected and breathe, breathe five and a half to six times per minute. Mm. Yeah, that's a friends? very slow in breath. That's a very slow out breath. That's a much slower heart rate. That's a more engaged diaphragm. That's a more engaged mind and connection with the body and vice versa. And uh, you, you can't help just being more present and you can you can go around it in a way about talking about the benefits of breathing in that manner whereas it can become a bit too much especially for younger ones but then their mm. their, their consciousness even oh, look at my kids you know my younger ones they're more consciously evolved than than we you know even for our ages we were when we were young and um i remember being i'm 45 now my I was 40 having a conversation with one of my daughters and she was eight and she was understanding things I was saying uh, as a 40 year old. And I'm like, wow, man, it's taking 40 years to get to this point. <laughs> and, she's, and she's eight years old. So you, you, you then think to yourself, wow, the future, the future isn't too bad for humanity because their level of consciousness and understanding and, and they, they're, the footprint that they're kind of taking in this world is they're more present and aware of it and um, their interactions, you know, with themselves and nature, but also other humans. And I think that's a big thing that humans lose sight of is, you know, we talk in, in terms of the world when really the, the, the universe is indifferent. It's, it's, it's actually how we're impacting. Um, well, it's not just how we're impacting, you know, other human beings, but you know, the, the, the bigger picture. And, you know, I think we lose sight of just our own self-importance. <laughs> absolutely i think the future is bright when you were speaking earlier about coming to that realization and asking questions like who am i really how do i actually want to be living and for me it was early 30s as well but i see a lot of clients and nick you can jump in and tell me if you notice the same but a lot of clients over the last few years can be 18 19 20 21 and they're coming in and asking these deeper questions and i yeah. they leave and i just take my hat off because i'm like my God, I was a complete fucking idiot at 21. <laughs> like to see that there's kids out there asking these deeper questions about how do I actually want to consciously live in the world, I think it's a great sign. I, I had a yeah, client I in uh, I had a client in Brisbane yesterday. He's 22, and I, I'm sitting there listening to him, and I'm just 
Fuck, what was I doing at 22? I was, yeah, banged up in the military, hitting piss as hard as I could, just trying to shag anything that moved, and that was mm. my focus. And and this dude's like, oh, and, and, you know, I just, me and my partner really feel like we keep deepening our relationship and my love for her, and da-da-da, and he goes, I'm really, no, and this dude's a trade, he's a sparky, and he's like, yeah, I'm yeah. just finding that I'm, when I want to start letting go and just controlling the controllables and da-da-da. I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> what? Well, he's like, oh, I might even take a gap year off, you know, I want to buy a house, but I'm just, I'm set up. And I'm like, who are you, man? Like, how did you, how did you come to this? And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of, a lot of his mates, you know, are sort of attracting to that. So he, he's, he's bringing people up to his level instead of getting dragged down to other people's level, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's, it's it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And um, and and like I've been fortunate to rub shoulders with people who've got significant influence in 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 society as such, and um, you know the roles they play, and um, you know some of them I, I couldn't really care less for. And then there's people who who they're they're only known to themselves and their family, and you know they're that 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 a very small nucleus as such and I'm more attracted to them and, and, and how they live their lives and you know the, the struggles that they face than, um, than, than these others and, uh, and that's what people even ask me all the time is you know who, who you know if you, if you could sit down with um, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're alive or not you know if you could have a meal with them and ask them questions who would it be and you know you, you start throwing out names of people that nobody knows about that, that you know, they, they have no real influence in, in the terms of, you know, the bigger picture of humanity, and it gets a bit lost. That's, and I, I saw that even in my time on The Biggest Loser. I've been more motivated and inspired by people who've pretty much their lives have utterly fallen apart and have been able to, to, to reclaim it in, to a certain degree, if that's the word, and, and you work through those struggles, drag themselves out of that hole that they dug, and you know, be, be a, a participating, you know, active human being. Oh, I'm like, right, job well done. Like, it's inspiring. Amazing. Because it? it's, yeah. it's inspiring. Like, it's, you know, like one of, my, one of my best mates who I met when I left the army with cerebral palsy. No one would train him. And I left the army not even knowing what cerebral palsy was. And I was like, mate. And I said to him, what's your goals? He goes, I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. We had a laugh about it, you know. And he was young. He was... <laughs> 22 or something he couldn't even hold a broom handle and he went on to bench pressing and deadlifting and going in powerlifting comps wow. and, you know a lot like an angry little man because he'd been judged and and you know he's got a disability his whole life like the bloke went on to manage you know floor uh, like you know the whole floor and different david jones flagship david jones he's run, he's he's gonna be a, a manager of uh, a good guys you know um you know mm. in sydney city a lot of hard work, but still a bit of an angry man because he's he's judged automatically on on his point to prove. His physicality. That's exactly right. Um, but again, you know, even me and the journey I've been on, in my experiences, and we have conversations. It gives him something different to think on, and not just you know be drawn to you know that that. You know, others that are, you know, kind of in that space, you know, there's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of like F the world as such. And, um, mm. 
because he's got a lot to offer. He's got a lot to to um, to educate people around too. I talk to clients about our greatest strengths become our greatest weaknesses when they move past a certain point. And you're talking about we've got a lot to offer, but that the potential, no matter how much we've got to offer, will never come into existence when it's hamstrung by all these tendencies or this nature that, that isn't in balance. So I mm. think you, know, you alluded to it earlier, and I was going to say that everything starts at home. When, when you... When, and Ryan and I talk about tending to your own garden and, and when you get your garden in order, when you get your house in order, then all of a sudden it just has this massive ripple effect where things just get easier and life gets easier and more peaceful and it's just oh, a bit calmer and cruisier and you get into that flow state and it's just, there's not that, uh, 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 that, that real yeah. high and sort of dark energy about it so i'm just yeah. I'm listening to you I'm, I'm so pleased that you've 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 worked your way not just found but i think you've really created and worked your way into this space mate so um yeah job well done and now you, you're okay you're in a position where you're giving so much to other people and, and helping them so it's a credit to you no thanks mate maybe one last question from me steve uh fatherhood Tell me about yeah. your, your your journey with fatherhood, the challenges, and sort of how you you know took to that initially. You know, I'm a I'm a dad. I've only got one. You've got four. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay. Yeah. So give, two, give me two some girls. advice, basically. <laughs> well, I guess you, you you're probably in a lot of different places. But um, for me, I just not being so conscious of it. I just fathered how my father fathered us, my me and my brothers, and. Um, you know, that was, didn't even need the military to be military with him. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of discipline, ruled with an iron fist to a degree. Um, he'd line us up every night, ask us what we did wrong the day, and we'd get a hiding for it. And, um, oh, mate, yeah, like it was, wow. it was punishment central. Like it's, um, but, and not so much I was like that because my oldest is, is, uh, a female daughter, Brianna, and um, but I could still be very harsh. And um, it, again, it wasn't until the, the, that early to mid thirties that I started to realise that I didn't need to father how my father, you know, well chose or unconsciously, you know, did what he did, and uh, he, he he kind of applied a lot of anger to everything that he did. And I think there was a lot of ignorance and. He, there was a lot of hang-ups for him with things that, that had occurred and um, it, it started to change profoundly. And my other daughter, uh, Ella, what's she now? She's 13, going on 14. And um, when she came along, yeah, like there, there, there's a special, you know, kind of bond there with her. And then my two younger ones, um, Jack, who's 10, and, and little Axel, who's going on six, you know, I, I definitely come at the boys a bit differently to how I do the girls. And I guess any, any dad that, you know, has both, you know, daughters and, and sons would, would say the same thing, but um, I, I, I can't hug them enough. I can't tell them I love them enough. I can't, you know, lay there and fall asleep with them in bed. You know, all those things, things that, that um, I just, I enjoy doing it. So why not do it, you know, over watching television like or doing this? And, oh, yeah, like it's, you know, but I also feel like through my own hang-ups and 
poor choices in life. I've, I've let them down in certain, in certain ways. But at the same time, I recognize I can't undo that. I've just got to be you know, the best version of myself as such you know, that I can in this present moment. And when I'm with them, I'm as present as I possibly can be with them um, <laughs> in and amongst, you know, the life that we as humans have created and the busyness that we, um, that we find ourselves, you know, caught up in each day. And, you know, I see it with my kids too. And I, I really try to take that moment to, you know, for example, go to the beach or just go to the park and throw a Frisbee, you know, what, what most people, well, I think COVID has shown them that, you know, it's nice to engage with those simple things, especially yep. lockdown. To go to a park and have a picnic and just throw a frisbee or kick a ball it can mean the world. But in the past, we had to go to the movies or we had to do this and we had to be buying things at the shops and you know, constantly keeping them engaged and in sporting activities. Like, like, man, you know, what do they learn from all of that? Just to be busy. Mm. Mm. And consume. And consume, that's exactly right. When... Uh, when it's, it's nice to be able to focus, I, I love it. Just feel that air entering the body, you know, that, that exhale to, to, to go about what it is that you're doing with your eyes open and, and to have a laugh and, and not take things so seriously. You know, for example, like, this might sound stupid, I'm going to say it anyway. We were in this park a few weeks ago and my daughter's playing around with her phone and we're taking photos of each other. And, and anyway, I grabbed the phone and I took a photo of a, like a nostril and um and i said to her i said it's not a ufo um it's a, uh it's a U, uh, unidentified um uno unidentified nostril opening and then um <laughs> just just stupid stuff and you know they thought it was freaking hilarious because they're young they're kids so then everyone's trying to take photos of each other's nostrils and catch them off guard you know? so who's nos whose nostrils that yeah. and i said i'm gonna have to get it i'm gonna get in touch with Colin and jackie o and they have to do that, you know, like get famous people with, and, with yeah. their nostrils and put them up and see if people can guess whose nostrils they are. Like it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just dumb. It's dumb. It's, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's playful. Uh, well, it's, it's, exactly. it's silly. It's silly. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lightness. There's a lovely lightness to it. But it sounds like you're also helping them just to, to have a human experience and, and to, yeah. to not outsource their happiness, to not not place a heap of value on stuff out there, but just the, the real value lies in connection and, and being yeah. silly and having fun and being in the moment, you know, doing whatever strikes you in the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there's, I guess, some tips um, on being a dad from Steve. <laughs> All right. So I got me, me and my little boy Tommy, we're doing nostril picks today. That's on the agenda. <laughs> Mate, r really enjoyed this chat. We've um, really appreciate having you on. And I know especially for our, um, our audience is, is mainly these guys kind of 35 to 55. And I think what you've said today is going to resonate with a hell of a lot of them because I know it has for me, mate. So we uh, really appreciate you coming on today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. No worries, uh, mate. It's been great, mate. Thanks and best of luck with everything. Cheers. Thank you for you all too. Right. Thank yeah. you everyone for tuning all in. Right, we'll see right. you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.